Hey everybody, Taylor and Jimmy here today. Welcome to the Roots of Life podcast, where we're just going to get together. We had this idea to come up with this podcast um, where we can talk about some new things and coming up in the future and current events. Um, we want to give a special thanks to Valerie Brown and John Gauthier for helping us uh, with gathering some resources so we could do some research and come up with some great ideas and topics to talk to everyone about and hopefully get some feedback from you guys on what you guys like and what you hear and uh, tell us anything you'd like to hear us talk about. Um, I ideas for the future. Uh, we really look forward to that. Um, so I'm going to start by introducing myself. My name is Taylor. Um, I grew up in Nanaimo, BC, along with my longtime friend Jimmy here. So I'm going to give a shout out to Jimmy here. Jimmy, uh, why don't you introduce everybody who you are, and then we'll try and get started into the episode here. Hey, uh, my name is Jimmy. I, uh, I'm a psych major. I actually graduated with a BA in psychology. I do uh, youth work, but I have a uh, large fascination with uh, creativity, stuff to do with nature, um, psychedelics, things like that. I just try and expand who I am through creative means and help use that to uh, work with the youth that I work with. So that's something that I always uh, really loved about you. You were always so rooted and so wise um, out of all our group of friends growing up. The fact that you were going to the University for Psychology like always amazed me. What was that like, like your four years, like going through that journey of university and like meeting all the people and learning all the things that you did and learning from your profs? Well, at the time, it was really just a lot of stress as I was trying to uh, meet deadlines. But I was always, by the end of the uh, semester and stuff like that, I was always felt a lot better. I felt like I knew a bunch of new stuff that I could use in my day-to-day life, new practices, things like that. I learned uh, meditation. I learned about um different processes that go on uh, on within the brain, stuff like that. So it was really helpful, actually, in not only with, like, where I'm going with life, but in just day-to-day practices in being a happier, healthier person. Yeah, for sure. Now, how how did that translate? I always had this idea about um, education and that you can't always learn everything in the classroom. Like, I didn't apply. I mean, you we know each other from way back. I didn't apply myself very well in high school. I didn't think it was the right place for me to learn. I was a lot more street smart. I found myself just wanting to learn on my own and kind of research things for myself and develop my own opinions. And that was something that I gravitated towards, whereas some people, I think... Um, um, they do a lot better in a classroom environment. How did it? How was it taking those uh, the knowledge that you gained in the classroom and translating that to real life? Did you find it easy? Was it difficult? Like, was a lot of it lost in translation from like the professor to say your notebook or your brain? Like, was that easy? Um, well, actually, it was uh, really helpful with a few professors I had. They they did a lot of like experiential learning in the classroom, so it was a lot different than say today's like uh elementary and high school school system that we have where they just sit you down feed you a bunch of information and expect you to be able to remember and recite it it's more they give you something like for example we actually would do meditation in class and um we'd write introspective journals and things like that i know it kind of sounds hokey but it actually helps a lot with with like learning where you are struggling, where you need to focus, um, and things like that with your actual studies as well as with uh, everything else that's going on in your life. So it kind of helps you work through things as well as uh, well as learning at the same time. So that you learn how to do these things for other people as well, not just for yourself. So I found I found it was a lot easier than actual like high school stuff, where they just yeah expect you to no dates and names and things like that that don't matter to you at all in life so yeah definitely um you 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 said something actually that really caught my attention that you were doing these kind of practical exercises whether it be meditating or maybe some other uh intensive focus um exercises and you said it sounds kind of hokey which I find interesting because I was going to ask you about, like, when you're doing that in a room uh, full of, say, 50 people, that energy, when everybody's focused on it and you can hear and there's a certain energy in that room that comes up and you feel it. Like, you don't just feel it in yourself, but you feel it in the air around you. And the fact that you say, like, it sounds hokey, uh, maybe to some of the listeners or some of the other people... Where do you think that stigma came from that like these because I even knew for myself growing up, like 
meditating. That sounded like such a weird concept to like, what, we were just supposed to lay there and breathe or think about anything and try to think about nothing. Like that was, that seems ridiculous, especially in the modern age when we're focused on like, you know, there's something happening all the time, whether we're listening to music or podcasts or tv or video games or you know there's always some kind of media in the background or even if it's like there's a billboard while you're driving down the road or something there's always something to catch your eye or attention uh where do you think that stigma came from i'm not i'm not necessarily sure where the stigma came from probably actually to do with uh stuff like um the the hippie generation and stuff like that and how they there was a lot of the stigma around like hippies being drug users and things like that and creative people being being bums like uh, drug addicts sex addicts just basically like really um negatively perceived people and a lot of the things that like like meditation as well they were perceived as doing those things and it was associated with them and their stigma with their behavior that was seen in society i know when i first my first year in university, I was in a class where we did meditation and I was, I was actually upset that we were doing it because I was like, I'm paying for a class and we're laying on the floor doing breathing exercises right now. And I just didn't understand coming from straight from high school where they were just drilling things into your brain, telling you that university was going to be the same thing, just more information and a lot more difficult to comprehend. So I don't know. I think it's, I think it definitely stems from like the negative perception of like people that do these things, like the hippie generation kind of thing. So do you think that there's um, a strict line that we walk in terms of being like either creative or non-creative people? Do you think the left wing is kind of so far there that they kind of look down on the right wing thinking like, you guys are weird, you know, you're into creative stuff or you're an artist or you enjoy using drugs for purposes that are unknown to the majority of the population? Or do you think that people can do both? Do you think that, you know, I can be creative, but I can still live that kind of lifestyle or be like a uh, CEO of a corporation? Because um, I find that, like, if you do one, sometimes you lose yourself in the other. Like, you, it's hard to do both. Yeah, I think it's I think it's definitely difficult to make it, make both choices available to yourself where you're trying to solely focus on one thing for now and you get kind of caught up and never go back to the other thing that kind of thing happens a lot to people that uh they that they don't want to focus on like the their creative side but i think it's definitely possible to have both and i don't i don't think it's possible i know it's possible to have both i know a lot of people that are both uh very creative artists that uh they're also some of the smartest people that i know in in uh, degrees doing like finance and stuff like that they're they're doing like really (laughs) i don't know logical straightforward like yeah ceo wall street type um studies but they're also very creative people i I think it's definitely possible to have both sides not uh, just the one I think it's important to practice both. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of keep your eyes on the prize, right? And uh, know that there's no one answer to life. Everybody's kind of cut from different cloth, but a lot of us share uh, great ideas because, you know, we come from a new generation of people who, you know, our parents were, maybe some of our parents were hippies or maybe some of them were old war veterans and uh, everybody has different experiences. But I think that we can all agree that you know, we're all human and we all are here to serve whatever purpose is your greater purpose, whether it be for yourself or it be for um, whatever God you might praise or share um, with the rest of humanity. I think that it is uh, important to recognize that and stay faithful to whatever it is that you hold true. I agree. I definitely agree with that. Um, So, Let's switch lanes a little bit. We were going to talk today a little bit about psychedelics. Uh, Mm -hmm. 
I know personally, I love psychedelics. Um, it's always an interesting, uh, introspective experience when I get to uh, take that time for myself and just go exploring or explore uh, the physical space around me or explore into my mind or uh, have a special experience that I find that I can only have when I'm in that other state of consciousness. Jimmy, I know that you're an advocate for psychedelics, you've studied them, you know a bit about them, um, so tell me a bit about them. Let's start on the general basis here, psychedelics, um, where do these, some of these, where do these things stem from? Like, I, I know South America, I know, like, the Aztecs and all that kind of stuff, but, uh, I know you have a little bit of a deeper knowledge than me, so why don't you tell me about it a little bit? I mean, I don't know a, a lot about the history, but, uh, I do know that mushrooms have been used in religious practice for thousands of years. Uh, they've been depicted in cultural artwork that's like 3500 BC. So that's like 5,000 years ago. That's a long ass time ago is what that is. Yeah. Yeah. The existence of uh, psychedelic mushrooms was actually disputed for years uh, in in the UK and uh, in Europe and stuff like that. They didn't believe that there was actual mushrooms that had psychedelic properties until the compounds were extracted from them in around 1956. Um, through the 60s, mushrooms and well, their, their active ingredients were used rec recreationally, uh, therapeutically, um, and is part of new spiritual traditions, which I guess kind of stemmed off the old ones. In 1968, though, possession um, of psilocybin and psy which are the two compounds that are in mushrooms that are psilocybin mushrooms that actually give you that psychedelic experience, became illegal in the United States and in lots of other uh, country countries around the world. Do, do you know about, like, why they did that? Like, what what, what caused the government to uh, make that a controlled substance well, they, in the United because States? because of the, the uh, popularity of the of psychedelics that appeared in the 60s. So both... So everything just started popping yeah, up and they didn't know what to like do with LSD it. LSD was also another big one. In uh, It was first synthesized in 38. It was... Uh, it wasn't found out for its hallucinogenic properties until 43. It was first uh, synthesized when someone was looking for something to do with, um, they were looking for something that affected the blood in some way. I, I don't necessarily, I don't remember completely how it worked, but um, it was used um, in experiments by a psychiatrist through the 40s after it was uh, discovered that it had hallucinogenic properties in the 50s and 60s as well. Um, they, most researchers failed to discover medical use for the drug during that time. Um, and free samples were basically supplied to people and it just became a widely popular drug in the sixties. Um, and like psychologist, Timothy Leary, he's in a, quite a few songs that a lot of people have probably heard from the sixties. Um, he actually encouraged American students to turn on, tune in and drop out. So he just wanted them to start taking acid to learn things. Really? <laughs> kind of cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah so I wish he would have been my <laughs> teacher. <laughs> After a while, uh, with the, the increase of use of psychedelics, um, the, I know the UK and uh, as well as the States. Let's see here. Oh, I changed my page here. But yeah, they all... Um, they all outlawed the um, basically the consumption, but the possession of most psychedelics, um, LSD and psilocybin, are actually Schedule One drugs. Um, That's crazy, eh? Like, do do you find that incredible that like you can go to jail for having a dried out 
mushroom that could be growing in your backyard. Like maybe you don't even intentionally grow it. Maybe it just naturally occurs there. And then you decide to pick it up one day. Maybe you're walking down the street to go to your mailbox or to drop something in a mailbox and a cop sees you holding this mushroom and you go to jail for five years for having possession of a controlled substance. Or maybe they get you on a trafficking charge and then all of a sudden you're locked up for even longer. Yeah, if you're handing it to your buddy, like, hey, what's this? Yeah, <laughs> that would suck. Yeah, that, that amazes it's, it's me. It's ridiculous. It's literally just a plant. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Um, so recently, uh, there was I saw some stuff the other day about they have made recreational use of marijuana available in multiple states. Yeah. So that's including California, having the largest population uh, over any other state in all of the USA. Um, I'm surprised. I think that's a game changer. Yeah, I think everyone was. I mean, you always watch some of those old movies that I think my parents had kicking around. uh, And you always just see, like, that was exactly it. It was the hippies on the West Coast, down in L.A. or Venice Beach. And they were all just, like, smoking reefer and having a good time and surfing and lounging in the sun. And it just seemed like everybody always had a great time down there and enjoyed it. And it seemed that they cultivated it super early, it seemed like. But for some reason the overall consensus throughout the state was that no this isn't allowed this isn't a thing we can't just give people full access to this but then as soon as denver did it and as soon as washington did it and they were like whoa we can make billions of dollars a year doing this that's insane let's make this legal it's all about the money it's always been about the money it always has been and it's ridiculous and that goes back to what we were saying about uh, making I mean, I don't want to say certain psychedelics. I want to say all psychedelics, um, essentially, um, not all, but pretty close, a controlled substance. Yeah, I actually have a few things to say about, uh, like, later on, I guess, about the effects of some of these these substances and how they actually, like, they make people happier and things like that. And a lot of those things, they've been, other drugs have been, synthesized and made specifically to do that so a lot of those i feel i feel i'm not entirely sure but a lot of those reasons that they are actually still illegal to for the most part um is due to those big pharma because that's what you want to call it um companies trying to continue selling their drugs and not wanting a natural substance, I guess LSD is not necessarily a natural substance, but psilocybin definitely is. Um, those natural substances from being able to do the jobs that the drugs that they create do. Yeah, and that goes exactly into um, another another uh, recent news posting that goes that falls right into that subject is uh, a bunch of states legalize the use of recreational marijuana. Um, and one of the only states that didn't was Arizona. Recreational and medical too, right? Because some of them weren't just recreational. Right. Some of them, yeah. So some of them were medical use, which is still a step forward. Um, I think we're even lucky for that to happen. But um, up here in BC, in Vancouver, we have recently been fighting a big opiate battle. Now, we're not the only place that's been dealing with it. Um, I know that the opiate battle on the younger generations has been across all of North America. I'm sure it's in the UK as well, in Europe, and I believe, probably uh, all over the, the world. The city that I live in actually has jumped sixfold in fentanyl overdoses this year compared to last year. Yeah, it's insane. The numbers are exponentially growing. Within the past six years, it's gone insane. People are dropping, and it's super sad, and it's tearing families apart. People are losing their lives very young, very enthusiastic. Men and women who just, you know, they want to enjoy a night. They want to have some recreational drug use. By all means, you're allowed to do that. You are allowed to do what you choose with your body. I don't think the government or anybody has the right to tell you what to do or what not to do. But... So we've been battling with this fentanyl drug uh, that's coming through. It's like 10 times more powerful than heroin. It's hard to tell uh, how potent the drug is at the time of consumption. Um, It's not very clear yet. And what has happened is 
the fentanyl manufacturer in Arizona, they gave a bunch of money to an anti-legalization campaign on marijuana in the state of Arizona. Um, I can't remember exactly how much money it was. I want to say $2 million. Uh, maybe it was 200000 I remember two in there. But it's, And then being that that was the only, only states that I recall in this recent news listing um, was that... They were the only state that didn't legalize it in some way, whether it be medical or recreational. And so it blows my mind. It makes me upset to see that these pharmaceutical companies are benefiting from all this death and all this um, poverty that they're creating on people across the world and across the continent um, in, in for the favor of their own pockets. And it's so sad to see. And it's just I hate it. And I you know, I just wish we could do something about it. But the fact that certain states are legalizing the use of marijuana, whether it be recreational or medical, is big steps forward. And I think that as the years go by, you're slowly going to see it increase because it's something that I think was totally thrown under the bus back when it was made a controlled substance. Like, let's get real. I've been smoking pot for like 10 years now, since I was like 14, 13 years old. And I'm fine. Like, I'm not out there robbing kids. I'm not out there hanging out on the streets or anything. I grew up to be, I like to think a fine young man. Um, tell me, what, what do you think, Jimmy? Like, do you think it's preposterous? Do you think that we're going to see an increase in legalization across the continent and the world? Do you think people are going to accept it more? Do you think there's still going to be a stigma around it? Oh, there's definitely going to still be a stigma around it, but that that'll slowly decrease. It's there's there's going to be a stigma around there's I mean there's still a stigma around drinking. There's still a stigma around smoking. But I mean both of those there should be. They kill people as well. Um, I I definitely think it's a great thing. I I smoke weed all the time, I've, nearly every day. I I'm still a successful <laughs> young individual. I. I pay my taxes. I pay my bills. I have a a steady job. I'm not laying about doing nothing. Like you're a university this, graduate. <laughs> yeah. Like it's been a long time since. Like there's so many people out there that are proof that it's not something that makes you like like what they've said in Reefer Madness. It doesn't make people <laughs> black people rape white women and all these like lazy layabouts, like some people, they get lazy when they smoke weed. Yeah. It also depends on the strain of the weed you smoke. And if you even have anything to do that day, if I don't have anything to do and I smoke some weed, yeah, I'm going to lay down and just chill. Like, But that doesn't matter because I'm going to do things other days. Like, I'm still productive as a, as a member of society. Yeah, and I've actually, uh, in recent years, I've taken a break from smoking weed a lot. I mean, I still do uh, occasionally, but I found that, you know, like, it wasn't for me. It's not for everybody, but you know what? Like, whether it is or isn't, that's okay. You shouldn't feel, I don't think people should feel that this person's any different because he does, or this lady's different because she doesn't, you know? Like, we're all just people, and people use it for different means. Um, I think it's also been proven uh, that... Um, people who smoke weed regularly have a better metabolism because of how much they eat. It's also, um, marijuana is actually metabolite. It actually increases your metabolism when you smoke it. So it's better. Yeah, okay. So that's probably what the fact was. Yeah. Um, which totally defeats um, the idea that... You'll be a fat, lazy stoner. You're a fat, lazy stoner and a slob <laughs> just because you smoke some weed. But hey, yeah. every 15-year-old boy is a slob and probably eats a ton <laughs> of food anyway. So, you know, who cares? And just to be clear, I'm I'm definitely not one of those people that's smoking weed and like going to work or anything. It's, it's something that I would do after work or days off, that kind of thing. Oh, you mean you're you're responsible? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a responsible individual. That's right. That's also possible <laughs> when you smoke weed. I, I'm not sure if people know that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Jimmy, do you have much experience with uh, with using psychedelics yourself? Um. I have, well, um, marijuana, I guess, counts, uh, but I have used um, psilocybin mushrooms a few times, um, but that is it. That's all my experience besides my 
bit of research that I've done. What was uh, what was your experiences like on it? Like, what do you recall? Is there anything? Was it more of a physical experience for you, or did you have some kind of um, certain thought process, things that your mind gravitated towards? I definitely had a few things that my mind gravitated towards. Like what? Um, one of the things I definitely had a a distaste for the way humanity treats um, the environment and the planet. That was just, it felt like, uh, it felt like the mushrooms, um, were speaking through me in a way, telling me like, they made me feel that, uh, the way the world was going, it wasn't gonna, um, end very well, which as we can see with today's, uh, climate, it's not wrong. It's declining. That, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that can definitely just be part of my own thought processes and things like that, that are coming out through, um, through this feeling that I had. But I also felt, uh, also felt that I could articulate a lot better the thoughts that I had in my mind while I was trying to speak, uh, when I was on the mushrooms, I have a lot of trouble sometimes like actually speaking, I kind of get nervous, stutter a little bit here and there, have a bit of trouble. But yeah, when I was in mushrooms, I could I could have a thought in my head and just explain it completely and fully, well, to the best of my knowledge. Um, I was on mushrooms, so I don't know if that was 100% um, clear to other people around me, but everyone seemed to understand. And we, we spoke about it um, the next day, and we were no longer... Uh, for the influence of mushrooms, and we were all in agreement that um, the things we talked about had made sense, they were clear, and things like that. So, I don't know, I definitely felt like articulation was um, a lot easier. Uh, my connection with basically the earth and the environment felt stronger, um, and it was a lot of fun. So, that was another. I think I think that's a big part of it um, is when when you take like psilocybin or any kind of psychedelic, I think, um, I mean, maybe for certain uh, exemptions like ayahuasca or DMT, where you're kind of in a whole nother world there. But um, yeah, certain, those ones are interesting. Yeah, those we'll talk about eventually. Um, one day. One day, yeah. Maybe when we have a little more experience with them, because I don't personally... Uh, ha- have enough experience to talk about them um i've done research but it's something that i look forward to trying one day um but i think when taking certain psychedelics like that like psilocybin or lsd um i think a big part of it is like the fact that you're having fun like psilocybin Mm -hmm. is obviously uh the psychoactive components are activated through your senses through the stimulation of your senses and so like if you're not having a good time you're going to have a bad experience but when you're having a great time you you are able to like take in uh the energy and the earth and everything that you're being given like it's like the earth is trying to give you all this stuff and if you're enjoying that experience and if you can accept it then it just makes the experience more pleasurable. And I think it makes it easier to retain that information and hold it dear. Cause I find that's very, it, it's, it's hard to like, so I guess what I, what my question is, is was it, did you feel like you retained any of that? Um, like that articulation in your speech or, Uh, that closeness that you felt with the earth and the energy, uh, do you feel like you retained a lot of that um, going, you know, weeks later or days later, or did you find that it was hard to hold on to? Uh, Definitely days, days, weeks later. I, even now I still have more of a connection with, um, with the earth. And I, it it almost, I didn't, I was, I've always been like complete atheist in my beliefs and it almost kind of opened up, um, a spiritual side. Uh, it wasn't, it's not like, I don't believe there's a God that chooses everything for us. That's, that's just not my personal belief, but I believe that there's a connection with things in, in the universe, stuff like that. Um, 
so it did kind of um with creating that for me it helped uh build the connection to nature it actually is is still um still there now and i haven't done mushrooms in uh, i don't even remember the last time i did them um probably summers ago a few years ago yeah something like that but um yeah i still have that connection um there's actually there's actually studies that have um shown um well first let me start off uh with the fact that uh psilocybin is a it acts on the uh, serotonergic receptors or your serotonin receptors in the serotonergic system in your um, brain. And for, for those people that do know uh, or don't, it, uh, serotonin is um, one of the things that doctors uh, prescribe to you um, when you have depression or bipolar disorder. So they would prescribe to you a serotonin reuptake inhibitor, which stops your brain from reuptaking serotonin or destroying those serotonin molecules so that you have more in your brain so that you are happier. And uh, psilocybin has been proven to um, have longer, la- long-lasting effects um, with that, like up to months later, people with depression still say that like their depression is, has lessened or is gone after taking one dose of um, like one clinically strong enough dose of psilocybin. What, what, what is, what is a clinical dose of psilocybin? Like how many grams? So that would be around 3.4 grams. So around like, for those people buying it on the street, like an eighth or something like that of, um, of psilocybin. That's a lot, uh, man. That would be, that would be dried mushrooms. Um, it's, it's that it's up to that. So it's, oh, okay. It's so usually prescribed by physician. it's like, it's like one, yeah, it's like one to one to three or something grams of dried mushrooms. It's, it ends up being like point something milligrams of the, um of actuals like psilocybin uh psilocybin and yeah the the actual chemicals themselves um so yeah psilocybin and psilocin right so but dried mushrooms are more potent than wet mushrooms correct i don't actually know that um i believe that's correct because you you are getting rid of like you're getting rid of mass so you are basically paring down to like just the concentration will be higher simply because you don't have like the water and stuff right i see what you're saying hmm interesting so they're saying with one one clinical dose will like decrease certain states of depression yeah and with with, anxiety with those serotonin reuptake inhibitors you have to take those daily whereas you could take one dose of psilocybin say once a month or once every three months or even six months for, in some cases, and you'll feel better for those uh, those months after, or weeks, or however however it's prescribed. If it would be prescribed, is there is there where in which states or countries are doctors even allowed to do that? I don't think, I don't know of any currently that like here in Canada like we can we don't have doctors that can prescribe mushrooms. No, no, they can't. No, I didn't think so. Um, what do you think the comparison is to say one dose of three and a half mushrooms prescribed by a doctor to say someone who might be microdosing psilocybin once or twice a week or say a couple times a week or every other day for say three months where you know they might have to get that uptake of uh, the serotonin rehabilitator so for a microdose, that's about 0.2 to 0.5 grams um of dried mushrooms so kind of like maybe two to three mushroom caps or something um so it's a lot less for a microdose, but you still you don't get the the psychoactive um effects necessarily 
as in you're not going to see the the geometrical patterns that a lot of people say that they see. You're not going to have that spacey, like euphoric feeling, but you will still get the the uplifting feelings. So you're not going to be spacey during the day, but you'll you'll have positive. They call it positive affect, which just means that you see things in a more positive light, which is. Um, which is what the study that uh, had driven that mushrooms were good at curing depression. It basically biased your mind to focus on the positive more than the negative things that, w- that it was seeing. I definitely agree with a lot of what uh, you just said. That is a lot of what my experience has been like. I did an experiment where I had a friend who was microdosing psilocybin. He had a bunch of mushrooms and he was leaving. And so he said, here, here you go, man, have a bunch. Because I had already experimented with uh, microdosing for a little bit. And I was I was really liking what I was experiencing. Like you said, it was kind of uplifting. I helped with my mind state. It increased my energy levels. I found that I wasn't as tired. I had a really good experience with it. And when my buddy uh, came over a couple days before he was supposed to take off, he asked me, he said, so how's the microdosing going are you enjoying it have you noticed anything and i was like yeah you know like i was really enjoying it but i ran out so and i just i don't really know where to go get any so and he was like you know what here you go he was like have a bag let me know how it goes let me know if you have any questions um he was more than willing to sit down and talk with me more and more and tell me more about it so from there i started experimenting more and so i i microdosed with the mushrooms for probably about three to four weeks straight like every day i would wake up every day and i would take it as part of my morning routine like wake up make coffee eat breakfast with my breakfast i'm taking a little bit of mushrooms i just i wouldn't even measure it out um so maybe clinically i was taking too much for this kind of practice some days i would notice some psychoactive components where i'd be kind of visually seeing things um i would notice colors a lot more it was a really neat experience and i really enjoyed it and i think that some days you don't notice it but I think on a subconscious level, I did notice it. I've noticed that even since I stopped taking it, uh, there's still things about my brain. I think it made me more curious. I think it made me want to explore uh, my mind more. And it just opened a lot of doors. So I, w- I really enjoyed it. Um, obviously, me and Jimmy are not doctors. We can't tell you to go try, take some mushrooms, do them every day, see what it's like. I would actually suggest if you were going to microdose, I wouldn't do it every day. Really? So what, tell me about that. From what I've been reading, uh, the best way to do it, there's a, is basically to just see how you, you react to it. Um, so there should be, there's a schedule that I was reading. They say, take, take mushrooms, take um, a day off record how you felt that day to record how you felt the day after, um, take the mushrooms again, the, on the third day, that's, uh, the next day off again. And then, so then we're at four days and then take another couple days off just to like basically reset, see how you feel with how that's gone for your week, things like that. So it's, it's just more of like a, a gradual process. So you're not just doing it all the time and you're not, because I don't know if you have you um, have you been recording how you felt or anything like that, or were you just testing it out, see how it was going? Uh, I was not doing any writing at the time. I was not um, vocally recording anything. I was not uh, writing anything in my journal at the time. You've kind of caught my interest with this a little bit, and where I might be happy to experiment a little more with it and see um, in a little more clinical based trial of it. Um, okay. Obviously, on my own, yeah, but yeah. like I might be interested in trying that. So just to see what that's like, because I think I did hit a point eventually where I kind of hit a wall where I was like, okay, I've been doing this for a while, I've noticed it, um, but then I had to make changes. Yeah. Like I didn't, I, I, I did hit a point where I thought like I can't continue doing this. Like I don't want to be on mushrooms anymore, kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's not like it was overwhelming or anything, okay. but it be it became a task. It became a task to wake up and like okay like i gotta take those now and (laughs) i think i maybe started to rely on a little bit too much like not in like a physically depending kind of way but more of uh like 
oh, if I don't get, if I don't take that, like I probably won't have very much energy today. And I, I didn't like that. So I think it was at that point that I was like, okay, um, it was kind of subconscious, but I think I knew that like, okay, I got to cut back on that and I need to like increase, um, certain aspects of my diet. Right. So I started eating more fats and healthy mm -hmm. grains and everything and oats and bran and fiber and all that good stuff and then i think that kind of put my energy levels back where i wanted them to be and now that i'm in a better mind state in a better place i think i'd be happy to go back and try microdosing with psilocybin in a more controlled way um that you had just suggested I, yeah i actually just found what i was looking for um it's dr james fadiman he's the author of uh, psychedelic explorer's guide he recommends taking microdose every, once every four days. So take a microdose on day one, then do not take microdose on day two or three, then take another microdose on day four. So you observe the effects throughout the process by taking notes in a journal every day. Um, continue microdosing two times per week, um, and you do it for like an entire 10-week process. Um, so you do both the short-term um, in the moment and long-term changes in your mood, energy, and social behavior. That's interesting. That's a long time. Yeah, you do that, Jimmy. Mushrooms every day for ten weeks. Not well, I guess three days out, three days out of the week. <laughs> two. It's two. Is it two? Wouldn't you do them on day one as well? Day yeah, one, one, four, one, one, four, and then it'll be so. Then that'd be three days a week, wouldn't it? Well, there's you take it once every three, I guess. So no, there's only seven days in a week. So they would just it would just change each week. There'd be one where it has like three. Try some mushrooms. Have a good time. See what it's see what the experiment turns out like. You know what? Worse it happens, you're on mushrooms every day for the rest of your life. Next thing you know, you're walking down the street, you're seeing geometric patterns, and you're having a good time. Nobody cares, but you do because you're having an awesome time and you got a big ass smile on your face. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> I also know that you have done other um, psychedelics. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I love my psychedelics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, that's an interesting one. Um, man, I feel like that is a totally misunderstood thing in a way that just unless you've experienced it, people cannot understand. And I feel like that's probably the case for most psychedelics no, i mean like I, I, you know like i've never done ayahuasca all i've ever heard is the experiences or iboga the experiences that people have when they do these things and you're just like wow like is that even possible you're like i don't know yeah. i've never done it so i really couldn't speak on those but um my experiences like when i tell people about certain experiences that i've had on lsd um they, they look at me like I'm some kind of crazy person. Like, they literally are like, you did that? And I'm like, well, yeah. Like, it, it's not as outlandish to me as I think it comes across to other people. I mean, I was with you one day, and, and there was a lot of crazy events that happened that were weird for me being sober, watching this all happen. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I guess we could touch on that one experience up at the university. So, yeah. um... It, just to make it clear to everyone, so I live in Vancouver now. It's a ferry boat ride away to Nanaimo, where me and Jimmy grew up. Jimmy was close to graduating university. Uh, I went home for a weekend. Was this in the summer? I think so. Uh, something like that. Like or the spring. spring. No, yeah, this must have been the spring. Yeah. yeah. So probably about eight months ago, I go home for the weekend. Uh, Jimmy being one of my good friends, I want to go see him. I want to hang out with him. Uh, we go for a hike up by the water and we get on the topic of LSD. As everyone can tell, we're kind of psychonauts. We like talking about it. We like discussing it and all the different topics and things that come up with it. So I asked him if he knew where to get any. He said yes. We went and picked some up. Uh, Jimmy was not down, but that's okay. He was more than happy to hang out with me for the night. Um, so we went and did a bunch of stuff long story short we eventually get up to the university where we're playing frisbee okay so we're playing frisbee in this parking lot at a university this university if you don't know let me tell you this place is infested with rabbits there's rabbits everywhere these little things fucking all day just running out little litters there's just everywhere but they don't like people do they like no. they don't really go around people much they're not they're not it's not that they don't like people, they just don't really give a shit about people. Because there's so many right. there all the time, they kind of just, they're just around, they don't 
care. They, they don't come up to people often, but yeah. So what happened is me and Jimmy are playing Frisbee. And the Frisbee goes down to this lower parking lot. So I run down the hill to get it, and I'm standing there. And at this point, I've been high on LSD for probably four hours. Yeah, I think so. Because we were at the park for a while, slacklining, I think. Yeah, we were slacklining. We went and did some hiking and smoked some weed. And it just had a great old time. It was a great night. Um, But three rabbits, and they all... I'm standing there, and I kind of look at them. And they look, and they stop. And they look up at me, and... At that very moment, I knew that there was a, a connection between me and these rabbits. There was there was a form of communication that they looked at me and they understood. I looked at them and I understood that they understood. There was some kind of connection, whether it be a visual one or an underlying energy with Mother Earth or whatever kind of energy that you believe in, uh, whether it be God. God connected me to these rabbits at this moment, where to the point where I was able to like bend over and these ra- and put my hand out, and these rabbits were coming up to me. They were sniffing me. They were talking to me, and I was and I, at this point, I was just very soft spoken to them. I was like, "Hey guys, how you doing?" Like. And they were loving it. Like, they had a great time with it. And it was interesting. And I have never experienced anything like that where, like, there was no verbal communication between me and these rabbits. There was no, like... I mean, I was speaking to them. Like, anybody talks to their dog or their cat, like, thinking that they understand you. But, you know, you're usually, like, whatever. Like, the cat looks at you like you're an idiot. And he's like, hey, like, why don't you... take the shit out of the litter box you know like let's get this going and but it was truly incredible just like the the understanding that i had between these rabbits (laughs) and it sounds so weird to even say it now but it's so true and so when you enter this uh altered state of consciousness through these psychedelics it really makes me wonder like what is it like is it fake is it fake because it's synthetic or is it real because it's in my mind? Like it, I I've I've taken this uh the the synthetic synthetically produced drug but I've harnessed it inside my mind. I've made it real. I've brought it forth and I've brought this state into reality by being who I am and projecting my energy outward onto the world which allowed these me to communicate with these rabbits. But is that saying it's all in my head? Is that saying that there could potentially be space for um, more understanding and more these other altered realities that we don't understand or comprehend? I don't know. Uh, this is all stuff that comes up in my head. I like to think about it. I like to ponder on it. I like to run these thoughts and process them and question my reality because I don't understand everything. And I don't think I ever will. But you know what? I hope to one day have an understanding enough that I can live a happy life and die knowing that I did my best and that my energy can be a positive one and go back forth into the world and do better things. So, Yeah, and just speaking as a casual observer, um, observer of that experience it was really strange because i've never seen three rabbits walk up to somebody and just sit there while somebody's just trying to pet them kind of thing it was really strange to see that happen at the university it's, i've never seen it before so it was it was an interesting experience for me as well yeah and you you used to i mean you did your entire bachelor's degree up there right so you Mm -hmm. you were there what like four or five days a week for four years five years yeah five years five years damn i did it so yeah you did it slow hey man slow and steady wins the race right yeah so um yeah i mean i never spent much time at the university um i was just up there because i was hanging out with a friend and i wanted to have a good time and i wanted to think about some stuff and jimmy's a very thought-provoking guy so i enjoy talking to him that is why me and jimmy decided to do this podcast the roots of life podcast um it's this has been an experiment i think i've enjoyed it i think that over the past uh, 50 minutes that we've gotten a little more comfortable with it and talking. Um, I hope that we can continue to do this, Jimmy. How was your experience today so far? Definitely great. I love it. Uh, I, I definitely want to do this again. It'll be good. Um, just another thing, though, on the, on the topic of LSD before we, before we leave, a lot of people probably think that that one's just a synthetic drug created that um, shouldn't be used for anything 
beyond recreational use, but it has actually been proven to um, eliminate cluster headaches, which are a severe form of like migraine kind of thing. Um, and people get attacks of these that last for days and days. Um, and the drugs that are out right now for um, treating those barely work. But um, m the majority of people that have been in studies with LSD to treat them have said that it has completely terminated those cluster headaches. So that it also has clinical uses. Yeah, so that's awesome. I mean, I love that. Um, uh, one of our good friends, John Sketchley, I referred to him earlier. Um, I don't think I mentioned his name, but he has also told me about his experiences with um, kind of doing uh, microdosing of LSD and what his experiences were like. And I think he told me about some very positive effects. Um, it, it's, again, it's so frustrating to me to hear about all these clinical studies that have been done and these papers that have been written and these people that have done research on this topic of uh, alternative medicines that are known to the world, but yet they're shunned uh, from the very strict, straightforward people that are in control of the state and the country that... Um, you know, like, no, we're just going to promote these big pharmaceutical companies. We're going to give you these things that, like you said, they hardly work. You know, they probably have a bunch of side effects. Um, you know, maybe next thing, like, you're trying to get rid of this cluster headache. And next thing, you're taking this pill. And all of a sudden, now you got nausea and you can't sleep and you're having nightmares. And it becomes this whole ordeal when it's been proven that, you know, LSD and, you know, uh, there's not even just LSD, just, I just want to say alter alternative medicines that have been proven that you can take these things and if used in the right way and used for the right purpose can benefit your life. And I think that is, um, a big part of where we're going to go in the future. I think as humans, we're, we're survivors, we fight. We always have, and we always will. We uh, lived through certain times where maybe we didn't have the best of living situations, um, whether it be 10 years ago, maybe you grew up in a troubled home, or maybe it was maybe you were a caveman and you had to learn how to fight tigers and how to kill for food. Um, it all just shows what we're, what we're capable of, uh, what our minds are capable of, and as people we thrive we survive and we continue to grow and i think that's important and i think that's what uh we're gonna try and focus on talking to you guys about we're gonna keep creating this content uh we're gonna talk about ways to let your mind grow and how to be creative and different ways to do that and different ways to experiment with it um I hope that you all enjoyed this talk today. Uh, I know me and Jimmy really enjoyed being here, and we're both very happy that we got the opportunity to do this. Um, I also want to give a shout-out to uh, Katie Churchill for the artwork. Um, thank you very much. We love it. We're so grateful for it. Any last words for the day, Jimmy? I'll just be happy, healthy people. Just try your best, at least. There you go. That's what do, what do you have to lose, right? What do you have to lose of being happy? Exactly. Nothing at all. No, I think that's it. So we're just going to keep moving forward one foot in front of the other and try and do that. Yeah. But all right, Jimmy, let's get out of here for the night. It was uh, fantastic talking with you, and I will catch you later, my friend.